DJ PK and Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us right now. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. Steve, the Jazz have been beaten, and Utah, the great state of Utah, is not happy about it. People are in a bitter mood. <laughs> Do you have anything wise to say to them? Well, uh, I would say this, that uh, it, it was obvious that, like a lot of teams, uh, you know, this time of the year, guys are hurt. And despite the fact that Donovan Mitchell still put up numbers, uh, he, uh, he, he wasn't himself. Obviously, Connolly's not playing. And I think that, uh, you know, when, when it's, it's a team that has such great chemistry all year long. And the, the depth, you take away that kind of depth and you get on the road and then you play a team who makes some adjustments. And, uh, and, and it was difficult. You know, it's one thing to prepare for a team, but once the Clippers began playing differently and with a different lineup and going small and doing some of those things, there were just some adjustments they really had a hard time getting used to. And especially, as we'll probably talk about, uh, Gobert wasn't nearly as effective when they went small because he had to get away from the rim. He, were, he couldn't protect the rim. He was in a position that uh, I'm sure other teams have done. And uh, But when the heart and soul of your team is playing on one leg and, and Connolly wasn't near to be himself, uh, and, and then a very special effort by the Clippers, it all adds up to an upset. And it really wasn't. You know, if everybody's healthy, I mean, the Clippers are pretty good. They kind of underachieved a lot of the year, didn't play to their capabilities, and they lose their best player and find a gear that they never had all year long. So who who knows why these things happen? But I can understand the depression and the, and, uh, the difficulty of the moment when the Jazz just had an incredible year, and it all comes to a screeching halt. And I mean, in my wildest thoughts and dreams, I would have never thought that the Jazz could ever lose four games in a row, and when two of them being at home, I mean, you just don't expect that to happen, and that therein lies uh, the uh, emotional wreck that the fans of Utah are in right now. I mean, it's just nothing they ever saw the entire year. Did never anyone ever thought that could possibly happen, and what it did. So I think once you go into athletics as a player, and then like you did, get into coaching, it's just set up. The way it is, your heart is going to be broken. You're also oh. going to experience all sorts of highs. So you've been there. Uh, as a coach, how long does this stick with you? A while. A while. And I think I think the best thing early on is just going to, as a coach, just connect to the guy some way. Maybe, maybe it's an email or a text or whatever. And, uh, and give everybody some time to breathe and and. Get, get get through this kind of remorse that they're going through. But ultimately, uh, in a few weeks, I am sure this group will be contacted and coaching staff will get back together. They'll get through this. I mean, it, it is hard and it's tough and it'll, it'll go away. But I think, you know, you got to be really positive and you got to, you know, you got to look at the things that obviously that organization is going to look at changes. Where can we make some changes, but maybe those things don't happen or do we have the group we want? I know Conley, He's on a different contract, so he, he may not be there. Uh, who knows those circumstances? But sometimes it's good to let people just kind of get through it themselves 
and then come back, get the guys together. And I'm not saying that they're going to get together and practice or anything because that's not what's happening because there's so much to do. But just making sure that, that as a coach, you want to make sure the guys are all right. And let's, let's just remember what an amazing year we had. It didn't finish like they wanted. And they'll have a lot of time to assess uh, as a coaching staff what went wrong and what can we do, what could we have done better. I mean, you do all of those things. And, but it is going to be painful because they had such a really, really good year and uh, had just had all the pieces. But, you know, injuries can make a coward of us all, you know, in the sense that you, you just can't control them. It's not just, you know, the Jazz and the Clippers losing guys. I mean, everybody in the league is down a man. And you got to step up. And to be honest with you, the bench, you know, for the Jazz is not real strong. They they, they certainly didn't play. The, I mean, Clarkson, uh, even Clarkson, though, he had one. You know, he really got hot. I mean, he was he, he had a great year. Uh, it, it it wasn't enough just with those six guys. And so that's the bench is something that I think they're going to need to take a really strong look at and get. Not that they, you know, they're just going to have to reconfigure things, but the bench hurt them. I mean, they, they just weren't able to, and, you know, Ingles didn't shoot it real well in that last game. Um, they're just so used to watching them play where it's a well-oiled machine and they're sharing the ball and knocking threes down. Uh, credit has to be given to the Lakers. You know, uh, Ty Lue comes under a lot of criticism at times, and you know, they won that championship with, with LeBron, but, uh, man, I'll tell you what, he made all the right moves. And, and, and going small and, you know, getting guys in a position where they could – they made the Jazz play differently. And now the idea that they just went off and man goes for 39 and then against Phoenix, I think he had six. <laughs> that stuff happens. And uh, you get momentum, especially when teams are playing at home. And Paul probably played the best four games he's played as an NBA player in a, in a moment that really mattered. So all of those things led to a good upset and a, you know, losing a 25 point lead. That those are things hard to digest. So there's a couple things that are hard for jazz fans to digest. Giving up 81 points and a half can never, ever, ever be a good thing. Uh, but it was a trend that was kind of, they were building that moment. The Clippers averaged 125 points a game in their four wins, games three through six. So, for people who say, well, the Jazz need to be healthier, well, okay, obviously. The guard line needs to be a little bigger. Can they add an extra guy there? Can they add one more forward who is a really good defender? Not these guys play all the time because there aren't enough minutes for everyone, but the Clippers seem to be ham and egg in it with different guys. Zubak's role gets bigger or smaller. Um, Cousins role seems to completely disappear at times. They've got three guards for two spots, so one of those guys often sits. Man, Batum is third in minutes played, and he's on a one-year minimum deal because his contract got bought out in Charlotte. And Reggie Jackson got bought out midseason in Detroit. And those two acquisitions made them a lot deeper. So is that something the Jazz have to look at? Roll guys who have the right mindset and sit at times or don't play as many minutes but can come up big when they have to. I, I think you're right on there, and 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 Batum and Jackson did, and, and they just played so well. Batum, you know, putting him, putting started going small and starting him uh, caused problems for the Jazz. You know, I mean, all of a sudden you're taking Rudy away from the rim, and 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 Jackson just played like, you know, he had been an All Star the, the whole time. I mean, he just he, no fear, made big baskets, and uh, so you know, just 
and the thing about it, it's just so much easier for, for the Lakers, I'm assuming for the Clippers to to defend. You know, I mean, you're all six seven, six eight. You, you can switch everything. You can do a lot of things you can't do uh, that if, if you're not playing that way. And, and Zubar, you know, he got minutes, but his, his minutes really re, re, went down when made him. Batum uh, ended up making shots. I mean, he 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 was the difference. Honestly, he could stretch. He's four for six for three in that last game, uh, and just spread, made him spread the floor and open lanes up that weren't there before when they played the Jazz. So I think the Jazz do need to look at their bench. I, I, and there's no question about it. I don't know I don't know a lot about their contracts. You, you guys know a lot more about that than I do. But I think the things you just shared are, are spot on. And, uh, and you know, and, and I think that Conley will be uh, a, a situation that only he and his family are going to know. I'm sure the Jazz would like to have him come back. But they do need a couple of pieces. And they, they need some athleticism. You know, and it's not like I mean, you take McDonough and Engel, and then you got injured guys, and, and Clarkson doesn't have great size. He's not a great defender. They're going to need to shore up a little bit. I mean, this has always been a team that shares the ball, moves the ball, can really knock it down. But when it came down to getting stops, they couldn't do that. And, and mind you, you got injuries, which is a part of it, but it is, it's also a toughness there that uh, needs to be improved. And you only can do that probably by bringing a couple of six, seven, six, eight guys that can defend and, you know, three and D guys that can guard and, 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 and spread the floor like they like to do anyway. So I, I would think that we're going to see a couple of those changes for sure. So it's easy to sit here and second guess, uh, but they were just doing the same thing over and again, over and over again. And Terrence Mann and these guys hitting shot after shot. Is there any adjustments that they could have made in the moment? You know, I mean, you, you could have. Yeah, you can go small. I mean, it was, you know, you take when you go small, you know, you take away a rim protector, but the system that the Clippers were running was already taking him away from the rim. So maybe, maybe you know, you might have experimented with going small and and playing them the same way. Um, I think that I think to be honest with you, just watching Donovan Mitchell play, you, you can all see that he was his effort was amazing, and but. He just, he didn't, he's just slow a step. I mean, it just was very difficult. Conley, the same thing. And, uh, and so, you know, you've got Mitchell, who's probably your most athletic guy on that team, but defensively, they, they couldn't get stops. And, uh, and once the Lakers started making perimeter shots and took Gobert away from the basket, there wasn't a lot they could do but try to go small, maybe. And, uh, but I, and again, the bench. The bench just wasn't real productive the last three or four games. So, I, you know, there wasn't personnel there. I don't know. I'm not sure there was personnel there that was ready and active to play that could have made a difference. But I would say, you know, the adjustment of maybe going small, taking Gobert out for a bit, he, he wasn't real effective anyway with the way they were playing them. And, uh, you know, it may, maybe they could have stopped that run. I mean, the fact that they're up 25 early in the third quarter, uh, it just wasn't the character of, of the Jazz to give that up. But once it got going, and when you're on the road, anything can happen. But that was the last thing I thought could ever happen. And uh, But it did. It did because a guy like Terrence Mann, who nobody's ever heard of, goes for 39. I mean, he doesn't go off, you know, the Clippers lose by 15, and, and they're going back to Utah, and Utah's playing the Suns instead of the Clippers. Right? I mean, you can't downplay the fact that the Clippers played with great energy, great enthusiasm. I mean, they there was toughness there, 
And once they got it going and got back into that game, you you could see that they weren't going to be stopped. Steve Cleveland, basketball insider, joining us. So now it's the Hawks and the Bucks, and it's the Clippers and the Suns, and nobody's got any championship uh, pedigree here with Kawhi Leonard hurt and out. He's the guy you'd think, okay, well, that's kind of an X factor, but it doesn't look like he's playing. So who you got? I mean, I'll tell you, I mean, if hopefully Chris Paul has a chance to come back, but I, I personally think the Suns are the best team out of four. They have too many, they've got so many shooters. They've got enough rim protection. They play hard. They've got a lot of confidence. And it's not to say the Clippers couldn't beat them. They, they could, but they're going to have to play really well. But, I, I mean, the Bucks, they it's hard for me to watch them and see what's going on and, and at times. And they, they certainly have size and girth and those kinds of things. But, uh, and, I, and I guess probably you think, but the matchup wise, I, I would think that the Bucks would beat the Hawks. But then again, the Hawks are a lot like the Suns. I mean, would that be crazy? Hawks and Suns in the NBA Finals. But they are the two teams that really have their, their well-oiled offensive machines. I mean, they can shoot it. They they've got a lot of guys that can a lot of do a lot of different things. They've got you know they they've got enough size to protect the rim. They're young, uh, and I think that's a big thing too. They're they're you know other than Chris Paul having to deal with COVID right now, I don't see a lot of injuries. Uh, I, I would love to see that final Atlanta and the Suns. I mean that that would be kind of cool to watch. You know that's something no one ever expected. Uh, I think the Clippers are going to have a say in this thing though. I don't know that Kawhi's coming back, but the Clippers can beat the Suns, but the, the Suns just have, I mean, they're like, obviously, the Suns and, and uh, the Jazz were, you know, two of the best offensive teams in the NBA, but uh, you, you've got, you, you've just got a group of young guys there with the Suns that, uh, and, and, a, and a young superstar coming that, I, and I didn't realize how well he would play at the point, and so I, I I like the Suns. I mean, everything I've seen about them, they, they have a lot of swagger. They've got a lot of confidence. Um, I, don't, I don't know that they're a team like the Jazz who are going to lose four in a row. I mean, they're going to they're gonna be tough to beat at home. They didn't play great against the Lakers on the road uh, one night. You know, we'll see how they are with the Clippers. But uh, it, that team seems to have the most swag, the most confidence. And because of Atlanta, a lot of Atlanta's success was due to you know, guys can't make. You know, you've got you've got guys that are missing free throws and making mistakes. I mean, the Seventy Sixers helped Atlanta a great deal. I mean, they just made mistakes. They turned it over. They missed layups. Couldn't make free throws, and that's a bad recipe to try to win a uh, you know a conference final, so or a semifinal. So I, I like the Suns. I, I, I if, if I was going to bet a dollar, I'd, I'd say that they have the greatest upside. But that being said, if they don't, if the Clippers, I mean, if the Clippers end up beating the Suns in this thing and going to the finals, I think they win the whole thing. So as a With Jazz, as a Jazz go forward, you know the goal obviously is to get better, as it is for every team and really college, high school, you name it. And so they're going to have to find ways to basically at a pro level, like you did often at the college level, was recruit guys to Utah. 
And Utah has certain perceptions. We know what they are, but I'm wondering, you know, you had to overcome it. You not only had to recruit guys to Utah, you had to recruit them to BYU. So that's like a double whammy in a sense in terms of non-church members uh, to get them to commit. And as the Jazz go forward in their new ownership, how much success do you think they can have developing the relationships and how important are relationships in terms of getting guys to make that commitment to come here? Well, you're right about relationships. And if any any organization seems to check all the boxes in terms of, you know, a coaching staff that works with the guys. And I, I watch, when I do watch the NBA, I watch coaches. I watch how they interact. And, uh, and, and, and then the college game and the NBA are two different uh, beasts. I mean, it, it, it's you, the relationships are a huge part in any organization. But I think in the NBA where you got guys making millions of dollars, there's so many people in their camp, you know, you, you've got to know how to make them click and make them work. I, I like the new ownership. I think that Dwayne Wade is, uh, is a great ambassador. He, he has come in and just seamlessly stepped in. I don't know what his role is going to be, but here's a guy that's done it at every level, and uh, he'll be able to speak to uh, a young man, whether he be African-American, white, or from Europe, or wherever it might be, uh, he's going to be able to speak, and he, he, the people are going to listen. It's not that we wouldn't listen to the, you know, to the coaching staff and the coaches, but having Dwayne Wade there and, and, and Ryan Smith, a young man that has thought outside the box and just has done amazing things with his life and building his, his companies, uh, I, I think that young energy will be a real benefit between, uh, to, to helping get de- different players answering questions about what it is I mean, obviously, they have a loyal fan base. Uh, and you're right, Salt Lake City's not going to be for everyone. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I think the Dwayne Wade uh, being there, I, I think, answers a lot of those questions. He, he's respected throughout the world. And, uh, and, and I think Ryan Smith is a guy that his whole life is a really, really smart guy that has thought outside of the box. And, and he, too, himself is passionate about this game. And I think people like to be around people who are passionate about the game. So I, I think there's some people in place there that are going to be that are going to help. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. There are going to be some guys that just don't want to live there, that don't want to be there, for whatever the reasons are. And so, but I do believe that Dwayne Wade and Ryan Smith are two big pieces. That besides the fact that you got a one of the greatest coaches uh, in the league today and, and a staff that is is outstanding so i mean they've got the pieces there i don't know a lot about their organization inside so it's not it doesn't do me any good to make a comment about it because i don't know but when i look at that coaching staff and then i look at new ownership and i look at Dwayne wade uh i think there's some really really strong personalities and, and energetic people who are, are going to be able to sell the fact that hey you want to be a part of this jazz program where we're so close and uh we want to get over the hump we need you I can tell you Dwayne Wade isn't into being the celebrity owner uh, at 35,000 feet. He's, uh, he's digging way, in, way more into the uh, business side of the uh, basketball operation. He, he wants to know. Um, yep. And so I think he's surprised people inside the organization. Maybe not Ryan, because Ryan you know, golfed with him and knew him. But, I mean, the people who work in the organization are like, wow, this guy's in here asking good questions and wants to know what's going on. Um, so I think that bodes well. It shows buy-in on his part. I'm curious how much you think 
Donovan Mitchell can recruit. I mean, we're sitting here, and so maybe we're overselling it because he's the local hero and all that. But watching the post-game stuff, and, and PK's right, it is old guys talking to young guys, so that's part of it. But it seems like there's a charisma and people are going to want to play with him. Not everybody. Jazz fans will probably want some guys and get the door slammed in their face, and it'll hurt because some people just aren't coming here. But it does seem like he's got the charisma, and some people will want to come here and play with him. No, I, I completely agree. I completely agree with that. Uh, and I, I, you know, you watch as they play, and the respect that people have for him. And, you know, in wins and losses over the course of the year, there's so much respect for Donovan, and he is the face of the Jazz, and he is the guy. And uh, I, I believe that he, he'll, he'll be out recruiting. I mean, and I don't know who's going to all be out there, but he's the guy that is the face of that organization. And uh, he's got such great energy. He's got so much charisma. He's passionate. He speaks his mind when he maybe shouldn't, but that's what people love about him. He's not going to hide behind anything. He'll be, he, he's very accountable to himself and to the player hard on himself. Those are the kinds of things you like. And uh, so, yeah, I think, I think Donovan, Dwayne, Brian, you, you, you know, the a coaching staff, uh, you, you, they're going to have to recruit. I know, you know, I remember being at BYU, and obviously uh, BYU had always been a really, really good program, and they had a little hiccup and things went down and Utah was so good and it all came down to trust. It came down to relationships. And I remember going into homes and people and knowing that Utah was recruiting them and, and, and just getting them to believe that, listen, we can turn this thing. And, and so relationships and for us as a staff, when we went into homes, um, I always loved it when we went into homes and, and, and people there got wearing Utah hats or it's, they're, they're, they're wearing another university hat. We go ahead. We got no respect here. But at the end of the day, the reason we got it turned was because we developed relationships. We made, let them know that we were going to put them in positions to be better. We we're committed to that. And that was, that was our consistent message. And, and over time, it turned. And so the Jazz are way farther ahead than the BYU was in 1997. But I, I think the trust issue and the relationships issues – are huge for people coming in, especially younger players. Maybe it's their second contract. Now they're looking at a place where they can fit in. And, and listen, the, the Jazz have really good players, but they, they need to continue to get better. And, and you, because, you know, you, you take a look at Bogdanovich and Ingles, who had great, you know, they had great years. But defensively, the, you're, you're always, I mean, and Bogdanovich is a tough dude, but you, you need quickness and athleticism defensively. And, and I'm not sure that they have that in the, in the system right now. So I'm not saying we're going to get rid of Bogdanovich or Ingles, but we need to add, too. We need more athleticism. We need more people that can certainly continue to shoot the three like they do, but that they can guard. And uh, that's what I would be looking for. And, uh, you know, Gobert's not going anywhere. He had a great year. They're going to have to – They you know, maybe they need another – maybe they need a more athletic 6'8", 6'9", forward who – to score around the basket, but can get out and guard outside, so that they can go small, but not lose athleticism, not lose that girth that they need. So that may be something that they're looking for as well, because that that is that doesn't exist right now in, in their in their program. They need a six eight six nine athletic guy that can go inside out, but can guard. Doesn't have to be a great three point shooter, but at least you got to keep guys honest. 
and uh, and you can switch everything with that kind of group. So that that's probably the the, the one thing that I see from the outside looking in. And, and and again, I don't know the young guys they have in their program and they're developing, but if they don't have that, that's what I'd be looking for. Steve, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again in a week. Yeah, we'll see you. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Everything you missed in this show, next. We'll wrap it up for you. Stay with us. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Top 60 and 60 is back in The Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hanson Scotty will announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness here on The Zone Sports Network. You know what I think we should do on that too? Like include the guys who left to go other places. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. (laughs) I don't know if 60 guys left. No, but... But we can do a top 30. The, the, not the funny thing. I don't know how you say it. Ironic? I don't, I don't know what the word is, but normally when they leave, they're good players, if not great players. They're not coming to Utah to get average guys, to an extent. Now, not everyone's a superstar. Oh, so you're uh, talking about recruits who left the state, or are you talking about transfers out of programs? No, recruits who left the state. Okay. High school kids. Yeah. Right, because they're they played high school ball in Utah. They're in the state. Yep, the Sewell brothers, Fajoko uh, at Stanford, receiver. I mean, Tufeli at SC. I mean, these are just randomly off the top of my head. You're hurting me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, these guys can all play. Right. I right. don't know how many of you go to high school football games, or which ones you go to, or how often. But just kind of the nature of TV, we're obviously gravitating towards the best teams and the best players. You know, usually when you're picking games and you get to go to 10 or 12 or 15 games or whatever, and there's 50 games in the state, you don't say, well, where are a couple of two and six teams? Let's go see them. It's not how it works. Yes. And so all these players, I can usually, Puganakua made a season opening touchdown catch. I bet Yacht can picture it in his mind. At Orm High, going left to right, sensational. You didn't have to know much about football to know. This guy's wildly talented. Simi Fajoko intercepted a pass at the goal line. He was a defensive back and wide receiver. One-handed the ball at the goal line. 50-yard throw from the quarterback. Looked like it was on the money. He just swooped in and picked it out of the air over the kid's shoulder. Phenomenal play. Yes, I think those guys should be included in the list. They played played ball in Utah. I'm okay with it. You're going to take it up with the committee, as we call them. That's not the point. The point is to hype it up, no, not make everybody feel no, bad. we'll do it on our show. Oh, the counter list. <laughs> the real list. The top players. What, what is that? What is it? Play ball Sunday? In Un, uh, I can't think of what the expression is now. Doc on it. The guys who played ball in Utah but now play elsewhere. Who are the uh, countdown those guys? Oh, my gosh. 
They have I'm looking at the list now and have dramatic impacts. And and like the top six in the class of 2021, one of them looks like he's slated to stay in state. Oregon, USC, Oregon, Oregon, Washington, further down the list, Nebraska, Stanford. That can't be right. Well, I know these last year at Utah Corner kids. Canyon, my the, the gosh, these are all Utah kids. Went to SC. They had a lineman who's going to Oregon, where Oregon socks every time because Frank and and Lemma and Fox and Tony would that, tell us about it. Are you talking uh, Light, Jackson Light? Yeah. yeah. I think he's. Uh, but they're getting a kid out of uh, Orem, too, and a kid out of Kearns. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Outstanding. So what, Man, what 2021 they, seems worse. It's like, like the trend's accelerating. Yeah. And yet you'll always hear, well, we're going to recruit hard and uh, we're going to make our in-state kids a priority. The problem is they're not making you a priority. It looks like <laughs> 11 players leaving for the Pac-12 or mostly for the Pac-12, but there are, you know, Nebraska obviously is... Is the one exception. So 11 kids are leaving, 10, 10 of them for other Pac 12 schools, and one of them for now. It's still time to flip some of these kids. So Brandon Huffman, who we've had on the show from 24 uh, 7 Sports, he's saying right now that Utah, in his opinion, is the second highest producing state in terms of overall talent in the Western United States behind only California. I would debate that. I think Arizona. Arizona. Right there, yeah. Yeah. He he's he, in his opinion he said yeah their numbers are probably going to go in per favor capita of other states, or total per capita is what he's talking. It'd about have right to now. go per capita because total it would yeah, definitely say be Arizona. Arizona, but also there'd be other western states. I, I don't here. understand what per capita means. There's no definition of based per on capita. population. I know, but we randomly we throw per capita. That's over, that's like the pure point guard thing. You got to <laughs> shift the stats. But Arizona's is, got twice as many people. There's no stat that measures per capita. It's just some nebulous thing on some point you're trying to make so you throw in per capita and the nerd across the street can't go ahead and and statistically analyze it says that's right or that's wrong Uh, because there's nothing that can quantify it it sounds good so i just say per capita and that covers me well, under the theory that it doesn't matter who you don't get, it matters who you, who you do get. When you see some of the defensive linemen leaving the state, you think, well, the Utes are going to be loaded defensive line, so that'll probably work out. But when you see some of these other positions leading the state, uh, quarterback, no. I think it does matter. It can be mitigated by who you get, but I think it definitely does matter because, as I'm saying, those guys who leave the yeah. state are drafted. That has an impact. Uh, any of these guys going to transfer back? No. Nope, they're all gone for good. Who does? I mean, some are, some are just gone. If you're that good, you, don't you only need to back. be there three years and you're going to the NFL anyway. Yeah. That was 2021, so that's the group that's done. 2022 is the group where you can still flip. And the top, uh, we'll have to look at that another time. Um, what would you like to tell the people about this show? Catch him up to speed for the 9 o'clock listener who missed your hottest takes. sucks, man. I don't know how else to say it. 81 points in the second half sucks. It was... Game six was embarrassing. Sitting there in Wyoming watching the game with a bunch of Phoenix guys, I felt like... I always do this. I feel like I have ownership in Utah teams (laughs) when I'm with others that aren't from here. 
How did that happen? You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It's like I'm a representative I somehow of Utah sports. I do. I have college friends text me about Utah sports. Yeah. And and I feel like I like I'm supposed to run down there and make a tackle or hit a shot yeah, or something. And, I don't know. And <laughs> I felt bad to watch the team lose a 25 point lead. And how secure were you in the fact they were going to win the game with a 25 point lead? Because you're the king of first half leads don't matter. Maybe maybe oh, hell, if they I get to 20. They're going to win game seven. <laughs> Talking to me about game six for. I was thinking sweet. Even after they lost Some game dumb five, rule's you going to keep Chris Paul out. I felt confident. Yes, I did. Wow. I did. I came after in here. Game on, five, I did not. When was game five? I, I don't even remember. Whenever it was, it was the next morning, Thursday, I felt confident. When we're down at BYU, I felt confident that yeah. they were going to win game six yeah. because the other team didn't have its best player. Yeah. And I thought Conley was coming back. And I made him an assumption that was wrong in that I thought that Mike would be Mike. Mike wasn't clearly anything close to being like Mike, as the old commercial was. When he came back in the past, he played well. But he only came back because it was an elimination game, I think. So maybe he wasn't anywhere near yeah. being ready compared to it's where the, he was being ready when he came it, back prior time. It's the Anthony Davis thing. He's just like, hey, your guys could be could be done here. you got to come back and give them whatever you have. Except and, he went 26 minutes, so Davis was done. Right, yeah, five. and so I think Davis had 20. You know, Davis was at 10 or 20%, and Mike was, I don't know, 50 or 60. He picked some random number. You're right. Conley was able to give the Jazz more than AD was able to give the Lakers, but neither of them was able to give anywhere near what the team was used to. And in my heart, which is completely and totally meaningless, I, I think if they were healthy, they win. But they weren't healthy, so it doesn't matter. The other team wasn't healthy either. They went 2-0 and without Kawhi Leonard, and you couldn't get it done. That's the bottom line. Now they've got to go, and they've got to regroup. I do feel a sense of optimism in their ability to not only regroup, but get better. That I think that that's a possibility, and I think that the the the, the loss stings for the hardcore. And I know, and we interact with so many of them. I feel like I'm a hardcore by extension, even though I'm not. Yeah. But I certainly feel no. But you it. know, plenty of people in your yeah. neighborhood, and yeah. there's plenty of friends, regular listeners I've been here and a callers. Long time here now, yeah. so I've got friends who grew up here, and they've become my friends. You know, they weren't my friends. I didn't know them until I moved here, and over time, whether it's through meeting parents of your kids' friends or youth sports or whatever, you end up having friends. That's what life's about, right? It's about relationships, and so you see them. I, I feel the same way. Like when the Utes lost to Oregon in the final. Uh, in the Pac-12 championship game. I felt bad for my youth friends. When the Cougars lost to Carolina, I felt bad for my Cougar friends. It's the same type of principle. And especially, too, because now with this, doesn't next year's playoffs seem like 100 years from now? No. 150. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's so far away, I can't even think about it. Right. And I can't wait even think about all it. Because you can't really get excited in the regular season next year, but you will. But you know it only matters if they follow it up in the postseason. And we got to wait yeah, till next but- April. Now, in, it, Old Dominion has a song line. They're my favorite band, a country band. And they're back on the road now touring. It's great. And they have a line like... Uh, the days seem long, but the time passes really fast. You know what I mean? Yeah, but the days don't even seem long to me anymore. I mean, uh, I, I I get going, and it's like it's three o'clock in the afternoon in a heartbeat. Where, I, where's it I, going? I think they 
if you live day to day, but if you look back, well, six months, that just seems like yesterday. It does. But six it months does. from now or eight months from now when they start the playoffs, it just seems like, oh, man, I got to go through all this again. But the bitterness is good because with the exception of Atlanta Hawks and maybe even them with Nate McMillan, that's coach, that's different. But all the other star players, Antetokounmpo has been counted out. Paul George has been harshly criticized. Chris Paul has had as much frustration as anybody can have in an NBA career. He's been given up on by multiple teams. So it hurts. Donovan Mitchell had an awesome, awesome 75-second post-game bite about how bad this sucked Friday in L.A. It offset the fact he didn't talk Saturday, the wrap-up with all the others. He and Clarkson didn't talk. I don't know why. They didn't say why. They just didn't. But that's 75 seconds, Friday night after the game. We ran the whole thing, no cover video, the emotion on his face, the hurt in his voice. It happened last year, and now it's happened again. Why the crap didn't we run it today? Yuck, why didn't we run it today? No, you're in charge of that stuff. Yuck, cut it, and we'll run it next. It's today is it over. You're in charge of that. <laughs> I know, but we got another segment next. It's a minute 15. It's right in the middle. It's Yeah, not it's to rain on your parade, but Steve Nash, Patrick Ewing, Charles. They don't Bartley. always get there. I know. I know. And and not everybody. I just listened to a bunch of guys this year, and only one of them is going to get to hoist the trophy, and two of them are going to hear it about it again. Maybe Paul George will play well, and it'll be on Kawhi getting hurt. Or maybe, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe Chris Paul will be sidelined with COVID and they'll lose the series. I don't want to say the Clippers are playing with free money, but they've got their ready-made excuse. They do, they do, yeah. So you can't crack on Paul George. But somebody is going to get somebody is going to get there, and other guys are going to be disappointed, right? And so the way sports are right, but disappointed in the first round, now disappointed in the second round. Got to push and get closer to the mountaintop next year. All right. So in three years, we're going to the finals. <laughs> I don't, I don't All-star know. game, NBA finals. Sweet. <laughs> I don't know if it works that way, that perfect linear. Well, I'm going to hold you on. You found it yet, Yuck? I'm going to hold on to it. All right. Break time. DJ and PK. Yuck's going to find that, and we will get to that and your feedback next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. There are a couple of reasons that I didn't become a doctor. Same reasons you what, didn't become what? a paleontologist. Why do you crack a smile and well, then make just, a joke? I'm just saying like, yeah, there's a couple of reasons I wasn't a lawyer. Number one, the LSAT scared me. Number two, I thought I'd fail miserably. And number three, I didn't think I was smart enough. So yeah, there are just a couple of reasons why I didn't become a lawyer. Can I make a point without you attacking me? I'm not attacking you. Like, you've never talked about wanting to be a doctor before. To me, this seems like you were just right on the cusp of going to medical school, and then just these one or two little things came up and made you think, no, I'm not going to do that. Doctor? 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 Can you not attack me? You know, it bugs me when you do that. Doctor? 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 Stop playing that. And doctor. Well, we miss anyone? Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Shamrock Plumbing. I heard you guys hang up on people. Is that true? I mean, what kind of company? Hey, I gotta get this. Don't go anywhere. IT department, this is Chad. Ma'am, this is IT. You know we don't do that. And stop calling us for everything. Okay, I'm back. Where were we? You were yelling at me. Oh, that's right. Oh, out of curiosity, what did that customer want you guys to do? Well, her sink isn't working, and I told her, Hey, I think I'm losing you in this canyon. No, that's you rubbing paper on the phone. Well, either way... At Shamrock Plumbing, we do plumbing. Because that's the way it should be. Shamrock Plumbing. Hi, this is Brian Jorgensen at Alta Mortgage Financial. 
Did you know the mortgage rates have once again dropped near their all-time lows in the threes? If you're looking to purchase, build, or refinance, now may be the perfect time. And we have all of the best options for a no-origination fee or no-closing-cost loans, too. Give us a call today at 801-944-4440. That's 944-4440. Or visit us online at altamortgagefinancial.com. That's altamortgagefinancial.com. Give us 15 minutes, and we'll give you a better loan. It's time to make your Volkswagen buying experience as easy and transparent as ever. At Volkswagen Layton, our prices are clearly listed at VWLayton.com. We've calculated all of our leases and monthly payments right down to the penny on every new Volkswagen at Volkswagen Layton. And we don't have any fake price Jettas for $12.9 or $13.9. If you lease a new 2021 Volkswagen Jetta S from us, it's only $266.67 per month for 39 months with zero due at lease signing. If your lease payment is higher than that, you fell for it and paid way too much for your Volkswagen. So remember, all of our payments are clearly listed at VWLayton.com with the best interest rates, down payment, and terms so you already know what your payment or lease will be right down to the penny before you even walk through our doors. Volkswagen Layton at 1230 North Main, right in the heart of Layton, or online at VWLayton.com, or call pound 250 and say VW for all the details. This this is gonna eat at me for a long time watching the like uh, like the Clippers and the uh, Suns play in the conference finals and even watching the finals like this was we made it had an incredible regular season we made so many pushes and we continued to fight but man like this is gonna eat at me when I even when I go to the grocery store I'm gonna be thinking about this like you know what I mean like this is wow. That's Donovan Mitchell after the loss to the Clippers. That's awesome. It's going to eat at him. I'd rather have that a million times more than this isn't going to ruin my summer. No, it's going to ruin my trip to the grocery store. It's going to ruin everything. This guy's going to get it done someday. He's 24 years old. There are very few guys who won it all at 24. And were the man on the team. Larry Bird, Tim Duncan, Magic Johnson. Yeah, that's pretty much your list. When did LeBron win? Uh, I think he was like 27. I think he was in the Jordan Shaq range, late 20s. Oh, then what are we sweating for? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. All right. Tweets. Terrell Burgess to the car that hit me and left today. Just know that I have Liam Neeson on speed dial. Our Terrell Burgess, who played here, yeah. is now yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Ram safety. He was always a good interview. <laughs> That's a good line. Yeah. Utah football replied with, uh, I will find you. Oh, yeah. Liam into the phone. Sure. So, yeah, absolutely. As tweets go. That's funny. It is. All right, DJ and PK, we're out of time. Hands of Scotty are up next. We'll see you.